Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and your moderator for this morning. Today is Sunday, June 21st, 2020. The sheer ID numbers for Friday, June the 19th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 14,837. That's 14837. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 14,838. That's 14838. This morning, A Vision for You presents Climbing Out Step-by-Step. All of us have come to this program as a result of the suffering, frustration, and pain we experienced in the bondage of compulsive overeating. As real compulsive overeaters, we are bodily and mentally different from others. Once we put certain foods into our body, it reacts in a way that demands more of the same. And we have an obsession of the mind which hijacks us and takes us back to those foods that we know will cause us the irresistible yearning for more of the same. We become conscious of having no choice. We are in a vicious cycle that we can't escape from. We can't control the amount we eat because of our body. We can't stop and stay stopped because of our mind. It happens over and over and over again. We find ourselves in a deep, dark pit of personal powerlessness. The 12 steps, a group of principles spiritual in their nature, gives us the opportunity to recognize that certain ideas emotions, and attitudes have enslaved us. We begin to see these very ideas, beliefs, and attitudes govern how we think, govern how we feel, and govern how we act. The 12-step program of recovery grants us a grace-filled journey of climbing out of the darkness of compulsive overeating. Step by step, in consecutive order, a personal transformation and a spiritual awakening instills in us a new perspective. Indeed, a whole new life and a whole new world comes into view. Joining us today to share her experience, strength, and hope is Leah D a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Leah is dedicated to the spiritual work of the 12-step program of recovery and to carrying this message of hope and possibility. And with all that, I welcome Leah D. Good morning, Leah. Hi, here, though I have to press star one. You're all here. Oh, I'm here. Gee, Leah, thank you so much. You should have kept going. That was really terrific. <laughs> okay, so um, good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Leah D., um, recovered food addict from Brooklyn, New York. 
And um, okay, so I love this from my little app. I've been sober or abstinent 4.54 years, 54.54 months, 1,659 days, and this is the best one, 38,821 hours. Um, I've had this eating disorder. I, I, I am a compulsive eater from the day that I was born, and um, I really wish that I had Leah there to whisper in my ear when I was born those, those words of who I was, why I was, and how I reacted the way I did because it would have saved me years and years and years of um, insanity that I didn't know I had because I had an allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. And I've only been recovered for what I just told you, you know, 4.54 years. Um, but I have been in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous for 44 years. And um, why, why, why not all that recovery? Because I'll just give you a little background. Um, I came into Overeaters Anonymous because I was 12 step by a parent at a job that I was at the age of 22. And for the first 22 years of my life, I don't remember not being on a diet. I don't remember ever not having food as an issue. I don't remember when food wasn't the focal point of my life, no matter what was happening in my life, food was number one. That was like the big screen and everything else was subtitles in my life. And I don't know why that was, but that's how it became because of the fact that I was, that I was, that I was morbidly obese at the age of five and the doctor really made my mother feel like garbage, that she wasn't a good mother and didn't know how to take care of me. So on her own, she tried to figure out what to do with me, and she didn't do a very good job. And not because she was a bad mother, it's because she didn't have any education and she didn't have a big book to help her. So I became the object of everybody's obsession in that household. There wasn't a person in that household who didn't look at me constantly of what I was eating, what I was doing, how I did, how I didn't. And it was terrible. It was just terrible. The diet police were beyond, beyond, beyond functioning, and I turned out the way I did because of that, and um, I did good, you know, I did good overall, you know, I'm educated, I'm college graduated, I have a master's degree, I have intelligence, I have all these things, um, I'm a businesswoman, I'm, I'm very, very, very savvy, I'm very, very everything, except I can't handle a cupcake, you know, that's really who I am, and because I can't handle that cupcake, or that bagel, or that pizza, or that, or that anything, or even anything that, that I, even attitudes and emotions, I didn't know. And even in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, I didn't know. You know, I didn't know I was doing the one, two, three. I didn't know that I wasn't following the big book. I didn't know that I was picking and choosing what chapter to read, what chapter not to read. I didn't know that I was still living my life in a God's program, doing God's work, not God's job. That's who I was, and that didn't do any didn't do me much good. I I was not a recovered woman. Um, today I, rec I am a recovered woman, and what I wanted to do for you today, what I really want to do for me, is go through the steps and say to you how I worked and what they mean to me, and how how they've really given me a new life. I have been rocketed into the fourth dimension. I live in a fourth dimension. And I know that I don't have to share that with you because you know what I mean. I hope to reach two people today, just two people. One, the chronic relapser who keeps falling on their face and disappointing themselves like I did for 44 years. 
give or take chunks of abstinence. I had 10 years, you know, of abstinence, but not recovery. You know, Joe and Charlie speak about it the best. They talk about the guy who, who, who sits in the room and says, oh, you know, I've had X amount of days of sobriety, X amount of years, and I haven't taken one step, and I'm proud of it. You know, um, Joe and Charlie talk about not the quantity of recovery, but the quality of recovery. And that's what I didn't understand at all until I crawled in here over 300 pounds again. On my way to 600 pounds, I'm positive I was one of those years ago. So that's the person I want to reach, the person who's that chronic relapser who feels like they'll never get this and they'll never be recovered and they'll never be able to do it because if I can do it, anybody can do it because I walked in here saying I'm never going to do this, I can't do this, I did that, I've been here before, and my sponsor said to me, let's just say the set-aside prayer. And I said, what's a set-aside prayer? And she told me, and I said it, and I did it. So step one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. You know, I heard Ruth Emmett the other day said that if you really take the step, you can't stop crying. Um, I think I've always been powerless over food, and I think my life was always unmanageable when it came to it. Um, that's the reason that 90% of the time I use a scale. That's the reason I need boundaries. My off button doesn't work. Um, my, my, my brain doesn't work. I am powerless over food. I'm powerless over the choices. I'm powerless over the kinds of food. But the most important thing about the powerless part that I learned, that I learned from Dr. Silkworth, and I learned it only four years ago, is that I have an allergy of the body, an obsession of the mind. What a wonderful gift that they can put words to what I've got. I don't have to think about it alone anymore. I used to let it run in my head. Why can't I do this? And why can't I do that? And I must tell you that, until four and a half years ago, even when I was abstinent, quote-unquote food abstinent, supported dieting, it still ran in my head. My head continually ran. My life was unmanageable. I wasn't living the life I thought I could be. I didn't know how to get out of it. I am powerless. I'm not powerless when I sit down and eat a weighted measured meal. And by the grace of God today, I've learned in step one that if I eat a meal and two hours later, I'm hungry, that means there was something wrong in that meal, even if it was a food on a food list that's A-OK. -okay. I spoke to a girl last week, and she called me up, and we spoke, and she said, hi, how are you? I said, I never spoke to her before. I said, I'm really good. She goes, how are you doing? I said, I'm great. I'm recovered. She said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. She said, no, no, you never get recovered. You never get recovered. I said, What? What are you talking about? She's part of a, a, a supportive food group. There's a lot of them out there. And I said, I said, open up the big book. What does it say inside the cover? The story of how hundreds of thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. And, and, and I said, I'm recovered. And the first step to recovery is step one. And I admit I'm powerless over food, and I admit my life is unmanageable. And um, I want to tell you that I know a lot of people share exactly what page in the big book this all comes from, but I Googled big book step index, and I have a piece of paper in front of me that I'm willing to share with anyone. You can Google it too, big book step index PDF. It gives you each step 
and then it tells you exactly in the big book where to find everything. So this step is described on Roman numerals 25 to 32, pages 1, paragraph 44.1, and 52.2. It's great. So when I finally read this big book, line by line with a sponsor, I finally understood the nature of my illness, the powerlessness of it. No matter if I stood on my head, no matter, if I, no matter what I did, even if I only weighed and measured my food, the day would come when something would happen and automatically, as, as, as casual as drinking ginger ale, I'd be back there banging at the bar not knowing why. Today, I know why. So that's step one. I'm powerless. My life is unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So when I came in at the age of 22, I knew HP was helping me because I knew for the first time in my life I was able to get more than six hours together on a food plan. I was not a good dieter. You hear people on this line all the time say, I dieted up, I dieted down, I dieted up. For 22 years of my life, I could not lose more than 10 Seven pounds, never more than seven pounds. And that was begging Weight Watchers a pound up, a quarter of a pound down. Because I cheated all the time. I couldn't just eat what they told me to eat. Never. N-E-V-E-R, capital underlined, never. Not with the diet pills, not with the, the crazy plans, not with Weight Watchers, nothing. I never was able to diet. So for me coming into Overeaters Anonymous, and to be able to stick to a food plan day in and day out. HP is what I call higher power. HP was with me for sure. I even found a dog one day, and whatever, a dog, and I, I adopted it for a while, was scared of it, didn't matter. HP was great because, yes, that was wonderful. HP worked, and I came to believe that that power restored me to sanity until it didn't anymore. Until something happened that I ate. That was then. Now, today, I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. That, to me, in my life is a given. The fact that I've survived so many things in the last four years, and I live in this fourth dimension, this could only happen through a power greater than me. Now, it doesn't say God here. So, believing this and reading We Agnostics helped me more because I didn't understand until four years ago that I wasn't agnostic. I never read We Agnostics or the doctor's opinion for the first 44 years in this room. I didn't have to. I wasn't an alcoholic, left out loud. But in We Agnostics, I began to understand and learn who I was, how I believed, and why I was screwing around with my own head, and I wasn't doing it the way the big book said, the way my Uncle Joe, my Uncle Charlie tell me how to do it and all the recovered people before me tell me. So I came to believe that this power can restore me to sanity because if you look at my life today, close to 90 pounds less, living, doing, breathing, it's got to be. So you've got to come to believe that a power greater than yourself can restore you to sanity. Now, I work with a lot of women, and a lot of them come in and have religious beliefs. So religious beliefs don't help you here. They finally, people finally get to understand that this is not a religious concept. This is a spiritual concept that I believe that this happens, and I do. And then it says here, this step is described in parts in chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, and this thing is great I've got here, about how this power, how this power is going to restore me to sanity. But like I've heard Kim G. say and everyone said, that the first three steps are not action steps, they're belief steps, okay? 
So I admit to you I'm powerless. I believe this power is going to restore me to sanity. And if I don't believe, I tell you to act as if. Just make believe for now. Then I make a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him. Well, I do this every morning. I do steps one and three every morning. That's part of my program. I do one, two, and three. I, um, I have prayers on my phone that I say, you know, one, two, and three. And my step one prayer says, basically, you know, it says, you know, God, I'm, my name is Leah D. I'm a real alcoholic. I need your help today. And the step two prayer I use says, God, I'm standing at the turning point right now. Give me your protection and care as I abandon myself to you and give up all my old ways and my old ideas just for today. Amen. And step three, of course, is the step three prayer. So one, two, and three, I've got. You know, I do that every morning. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Now here's where it gets ticklish. For, for 40 years, I stopped at one, two, three. I did four once. But I made the mistake of choosing a sponsor, a, a sponsor to do four and five with. But at that point, I was having an affair at one point, I think with her boyfriend. I don't know. My life was really forget about it, you know. But, but I, never, I never completed four. And I never turned over four. And I never went past here. I did a little four in my head. I did the rest all in my head. That was it. I was done. Four years ago, when I recovered, I did it all. Now, what happened to me with step four was I didn't know how to do it because I was never selfish. I had no resentments. I was all clogged up. So I didn't really know how to write the words down. That's where a good sponsor comes in. The good sponsor shares with you her words or his words. The good sponsor, and I don't mean good in the sense of good bad, but the, the, the understanding sponsor and the good recovered sponsor will give you the words to open up the channel to start to, to, to put it together. Like, I didn't know how to say that I was selfish because I wanted someone to act in a certain way. I didn't know how to say those things because those were not words that were ever part of my index. So when I did the inventory, the sponsor helped me to put the words on paper I got the right forms because I have a terrible handwriting and I write too quickly and it's not nice. So my forms I was able to type on the computer and I was able to get out the things that I did. I knew from Joe and Charlie I didn't, know how to, I didn't need to write 95 pages. You know, I wasn't writing an essay. I got out what I needed to do. The sponsor helped me find some things I forgot. And I did my inventory and it was done. So made a searching and fearless moral inventory. Now, I had a problem with that word moral. Every time I read it, I thought I was a sinner and I was ashamed until I learned what Joe and Charlie taught, that moral is just an honest inventory, just an honest thing, put it on the paper. So I did. Then step five says, admit it to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Well, here I had trouble. I grew up a non-religious girl, and I grew up in the 60s, and I lived away in a college dorm for four years. And I lived with the model of uh, I've got the biggest and the best, and it was drugs, sex, and rock and roll. And here my sponsor is a religious woman, and how can I turn over an inventory of someone like that? I'm going to be embarrassed. I can't share my deep, dark secrets. And I remember going into my car and crying hysterically to this person so my daughter shouldn't hear I can't do this. Things have happened in my life. How can I tell you? And I was really serious. I mean, it was like pouring out of me all the pus and the poison that was, that was killing me all these years because I'd never really done 
the whole nine yards. So she assured me that there's nothing she hadn't heard. I shouldn't worry about it. We'll just do it. The panic level was beyond belief. And we made a date. And I went out there. I went to her home with my computer, with my inventory, and it says, admit it to God. Did I do step three? Oh, I left that step three. Okay, we'll go back. So I had to admit to God to ourselves and to another evening that that nature of our wrongs. But let me go back a second, because I think I went from two to four, because I made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. She explained to me that I had to do that every day. Every day I do one, two, and three, and I did that. I didn't understand what it meant to do that. I'll get into that later, but I just did it anyway. I did the fourth step with all her help. I went to her house. I spent five hours there, maybe longer. I just read it through. I shared it. She sat in a chair. She just sat and she listened to me. I got it all out. Um, I drove back to Brooklyn. I had to sit for an hour. I had to take down the book. I had to read through the first 12 proposals. The first, the, first, all the, the first few proposals I was up to, one through four. And I did exactly what the big book told me to do. The earth didn't move. I didn't feel closer to anybody. Um, I didn't have any of the spiritual feelings or the spiritual awakenings that book told me, but it didn't matter. I did it anyway, and I said, no big deal. That's good. And um, we started to look at the things that were going on. And then it was time for six and seven. That's what the book said. And the truth is six and seven now is more important to me then because now my clarity is here and I can see when I have to ask God to be ready to remove my defects of character, my selfishness, my, my sloth, my fears, my anxieties, my jealousies, things that make me uncomfortable is where I turn in step six. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And then once again, my keen, intelligent mind said that word defects of character means I'm no good. And today, even when I read that, I get a little, a little pain in my heart. To me, it still says defects of character, laity, you're no good. I guess when you grew up your whole life with people saying you're no good, you're no good, it stays there. But the truth is, guys, I'm really good. I really do have a very good self-image today given to me by God, and I really don't do that anymore. And if I do, I turn immediately there because um, I suffer from the defects. I think it was John Kay who did a wonderful special edition on cognitive behaviors. I think he called it the... The 10 things that mess up your serenity. Because I was the one who you walked into a room of 100 people and you walked in and two people on the corner were laughing and I knew immediately they were laughing at me. So if anybody's in the room shaking their head, that was me. People were laughing at me. They didn't want to be my friends. All those things of those cognitive behaviors was me. So every day now, or whenever I need to, 
I've learned how to use step six and seven. So step six is where I am entirely ready when I say, oh, well, this is no good. Okay, so my friend's daughter got engaged. Malotov. My daughter's not engaged yet. We're still looking for a boy. I have to trust in God that I'm doing God's will for me because I gave God my life. And I trust that if I give God my life, I'll get back what I need. And I have to say in step six, please, God, this is not a good, a good emotion for me. This will get me in trouble. Please take it from me. And then how do I do that? I go to step seven, and I humbly ask them to remove my shortcomings. And I say, okay, God, please remove this shortcoming from me because this is not a good emotion for me to walk around with because this could get me in trouble, and that makes me not a nice person. And then I feel restless, irritable, and discontent, and I get, I call it nudgy. You know, Harlan's on the line. That's not, is that a Yiddish word? I don't know. It's nudgy. I get all nudgy inside, and I get, I get not, not comfortable. So I ask God to remove it from me. And if God doesn't remove it from me, I take the hop, skip, and a jump to step, step 10, where it says, and I'll go back again, continue to take personal inventory when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. See, here's that word again, wrong. If we were wrong, right away, the first thing I do is I cringe, wrong. Well, wrong is, wrong is not the word, you know. When I'm discomforted, I admit it. It's not good to have jealousy in my heart. It's not good for me be jealous of anything. Now, if I would have called my friend and said, I don't, I don't wish you good, blah, 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 then I would owe an amends. But I don't, I don't, I'm recovered enough that today, basically, I don't, I, don't, I don't react that way anymore. I don't try to control other people. I don't try to live their lives for them. I tell people to be blessed. I've learned to take the high road. I've learned how to have a different response to things. I don't have to be right. It doesn't matter. Um, they don't have the program. I've got the program. So there's a whole new dynamic going for me living in this fourth dimension. And um, so I've got them from the original thing. Then, then let's step eight. I made a list of all persons I had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Well, I'm glad there was a comma after the harmed because I wasn't willing to make amends to anybody. <laughs> I, I wasn't willing. To, I, I, that was not what I wanted to do. You know, that... That was like not in my, uh, in my bailiwick. I didn't see how that was going to help me at all. And um, I made the list, and I made it in three lists, you know, right now, soon, and never. And I made the list, and then I started to make the amends. And the best part about eight and nine is that I didn't do it alone. My sponsor didn't let me make any amends unless she reviewed what I wrote. I... Um, I needed to make sure I wasn't groveling. I needed to make sure I wasn't being accusatory of people. Gee, I'm sorry you hurt me, but you were a big dummy. Well, that's not making amends. And my, my amends when it started out looked like that. Because again, I didn't know how to take the high road. I didn't know how to be recovered. I didn't know how to stick to my side of the street. You know, if I knew how to do all these things my whole life, I wouldn't be here. You know, I wouldn't have had... You know, I wouldn't have had this eating disorder. I wouldn't have been, you know, on the road to death. I wouldn't have had sugars that were plus nine. I wouldn't have had everything. And today, thank you, God, it's all normal, you know. Everything's normal today, thank you, God. I live one day at a time in, in humbleness and humility in God's, in God's grace. But I learned here that when you make these amends, okay, now, because my brain doesn't always retain the information I put in, which is fine, um, 
A lot of these amends I did with the paper in my hand, saying to the people, if I was there with them face to face, that I don't always remember my words and I get lost, so the paper's here. Um, the hardest amends I had to make was to my brother, who I hadn't spoken to in years. We had no relationship, we hadn't spoken. And when I started to write the amends to my brother, I realized that the reason I was making amends is because it was like, could have had a V8. He was 11 years younger than me. And, quote, nobody taught me how to be a sister. Nobody taught me what that meant. Nobody taught me how to react. Nobody taught me anything. I had no idea why my brother and I weren't speaking. I had no idea about anything. So I, I, I texted him. We, 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 we spoke. We made a date. We sat for three hours. And the truth is that we don't talk every day now, two years, three years later, but he's my brother, and we text back and forth. When my husband died, he was there. He came to the house. He paid a shiver call. He, he reached out to me. We reach out. And there's not any kind of rumblings inside when it comes to him. It's great. All the amendments that I made, whether they were accepted fully or not, doesn't matter. I'm different inside. The poison left. I made the amends. I did it. There are times that I think there are other amends I need to make, and sometimes I speak to my rabbinical advisor or my sponsor, but I'm done in that area. If God needs me to make more, they'll come up as they go. So amends weren't that hard as long as I had the support system with me, and I was able to use my piece of paper because I couldn't remember the words all the time, and then when I forget the words, I ramble on. And I'm not, I'm not in a good place at all. That doesn't work at all for me. So that's step 10. And I don't do that many every day. You know, I kind of like, you know, it says resolutely first turn to God and then another. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm a happier person today. I'm so much happier. I'm so much, so much happier in every area of my life. And I think it's because of step 11. You know, I, I, I know it's because of these steps, but step 11 is a very special one because step 11 to me, which says, so through prayer and meditation, thought I seek through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God as we understood him. Okay, so have, and praying only for the knowledge of his will for me. And last week I realized, I always forget the last part and the power to carry that out. Now, what is prayer and meditation? You know, I'm, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I, I heard, okay, so what happened in my life was, you see, tragedy and trauma caused me to work even harder. Um, my husband died, and I got through it recovered. I closed the business that I founded, an altruistic business teaching children with dyslexia. I, I, can, I can cure dyslexia but nobody wants to hear me. It's like the Wright brothers, so I stopped telling people. If God wants people to know, they will. I, 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 I had to close that business. My husband died. I had to figure out financial stuff. Um, I suffered my whole life from anxiety and panic attacks, and um, that was there. And all this stuff was happening in my life, and I knew that 
I didn't want to go back to the food. So if I knew I didn't want to go back to the food, <clears throat> and I knew the answer was in the big book, and I knew the answer was in recovery, I had to seek out people. So um, I belong to this chat, and I put on the chat that I have things in my fourth step that I thought I got rid of, but they keep coming up again, and I have fears and anxiety, because in the fourth step, I had more fear than resentment. You know, you do your fears, and you do your resentment, and you do the sex inventory, and it, that was just a mess unto itself and whatever, you know, but the, the fears is what really kept me down. And I got another sponsor to learn how to do fears and turnarounds. And she taught me about lies and truths. What's the lie that I tell myself and what's the truth? And I learned the four G's. I call them the four G's. And um, I learned the four G's in this part of step 11 because this is something that I need all the time when I start to get, you know, squirrely or nudgy or something comes up. I say to myself, okay, God is good. God loves me. God knows what's best for me. And God is making everything happen. By believing those things through prayer and meditation and quiet time, I can feel safe. I've come to understand that my anxiety and my fear of living comes from me not feeling safe. And it doesn't matter why I wasn't safe. All I know is that I have action today in my life to take that lets me feel safe and lets the calm meter stay on calm. And it's kind of like I look at my life like a lie detector test. You know, when when I'm restless, irritable, and discontent, and I'm fearful, or something's going on, the needle goes up and down, up and down, up and down. But when I'm working my program, and when life is calmer, and I've given it over, and I've worked it through, it comes back to that small little steady thing. It's never straight steady. I'd be dead. It's regular steady. So a lot of times, my fear was not in understanding God's will for me, but the power to carry it out. Oh, and now you want me to think in action? And, and that's where I turn to my sisters in the program. I, I have to call three or four people with the same thing I do. Um, I don't think I'm being selfish. I don't, I don't think that I'm bothering anyone. Um, I've come to understand if someone says I can't talk to you now, I say, great, that wasn't God's will for me. Next. Um, I work with new sponsees who tell me all the time, I can't make calls. I'm afraid I'm bothering people. And I say, that's a lie you're telling yourself. That's a lie you're telling yourself. The truth is the program says to do it, so you do it. That's a lie. So I, I, I pray and meditate 24-7. I came to understand God in my life by first writing a letter of what I picture my God to be. And I picture God sitting at my kitchen table, reading the newspaper, smoking a cigar, having a cup of coffee, and looking up at me every once in a while, giving me a little wink, thumbs up, you know, wait, don't do this, wave in the hand, you know, stop, come back here, let me whisper in your ear what you're supposed to do. And my God is really, really personal. Like, my God is in me. I learned that through Joe and Charlie. That's where God resides in me. And um, it's unbelievable the things that God does. If something falls on the floor in my kitchen, I have to bend down to pick it up. I say, okay, God, I guess I need it to bend because I don't do much exercise. And I know when I I'm a big dropper. And I know that every time I drop something, it's God. I say, thank you, God. I need it to bend today to pick it up. You know, thank you, God. This happened. Thank you, God. That time, thank you, God. Here, thank you, God. There, my life is 
really run on gratitude to God. Um, I have a puppy. We have a dog. Zoe is a delight. She's definitely God-driven, a gift from God. I never thought in a million years I'd be a puppy mommy. I grew up afraid of dogs. I used to hear um, keys jingling, and I was really afraid. And through, so through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God's will for me, um, after my husband died and after all these crises happened, um, the next thing that happened was I found this, because I lost over 75 pounds, I, I found this mass by my stomach, and we didn't know what it was, and it was a whole merry-go-round a year ago of whether I was going to live or die or whether it was cancer. People were just, it was unbelievable. And by the grace of God and my sisters and my prayer and my meditation and my program, um, I had made the surgery, and it was just a glitch. It was an alien the size of a watermelon, and it was a glitch. You know, the, the Dr. Cohn came from God. Everything in my life that I do comes from God. And that came from God, and I was fine. But I got up every day feeling sad, and no matter how many tenses I did, and no how many meetings I went to, how much sharing I did, it didn't go. So I really knew that I had to go outside of the rooms and get professional help, and I did, and I paused and I prayed again. I paused and I prayed, and I thought through prayer and meditation, what to do again, what do I do? And I knew, based on the cognitive things I heard in that meeting, that I wanted a therapist who took my insurance, who was, who dealt, who was cognitive, who had all these things, and how do I find that? So, of course, I, you know, I paused and I prayed, and I made a phone call, and that was wrong. They, they gave me people who wanted 150 an hour, and that wasn't God's will for me. So I paused and I prayed, and um, I went to the Internet, and I Googled everything I wanted, and I got it. And I called the therapist, and three weeks later he called me back because I said, okay, God, he must not be the one because he didn't call me back, and I was going to do some more research. And then he called back to apologize that his daughter wasn't well, and I saw him, and we spoke. And I was taking this medication that I had gotten four years ago for anxiety because I thought that was my problem. Every night I would take a quarter of a pill because after my husband died, I really couldn't sleep. And he said to me, he goes, I don't think that's your issue. I think you need to see a, 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 pharma, a, a nurse practitioner. So I went, I followed again, Coswell, the nurse practitioner, and she was wonderful and she understood and she said it wasn't anxiety, that it was a low-level depression, and she gave me medication and said within three weeks I'd feel better, and it's been a year now, and I feel great. I can't tell you how important it is to listen to the inside and listen to your soul and God. Um, I, took, I take my, my medication, and I'm, I'm, I'm fine. The, the depression lifted. I check in with her. I check in with him. And I didn't, I didn't think it was going to go. It was a terrible, terrible thing. I was, I was crying all the time. I mean, grief is one thing and mourning is another thing. But when something is not right, I had to take the responsibility to take the next step with God. Another thing I did through, through prayer and meditation is, again, when I, 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 I go to other people because I don't want to be restless, irritable, discontent, or not happy and peace of mind because that means I'm going to eat again. I can't do that. So then I heard about a meditation tape called Headspace, and I love it. And what I love about it is not that I do it every day, but I do it during the day. I'll be driving in the car, and suddenly I'll start to feel that anxious coming from my toes, and I breathe, 
and I focus in on the breathing. I listen to that nice British voice telling me to focus. And I must tell you that I haven't had any anti-anxiety medication in, in almost a year. And, and I, I was in the hospital twice for panic attacks. I, I had them starting at the age of 23. I really, I suffer from anxiety and panic and it's gone. And, and I credit God and the, the 12 steps and, and my ability to, to, to find out. So, so through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Um, that's a constant. That's a constant in my head. I'm never alone anymore. I don't feel lonely. I feel that God is always, always with me, always watching over me, giving me clues, you know, giving things. You know, it says in the big book, when you first make conscious contact and you think it's God's will, you'll do all kinds of absurd thoughts and action. I guess being in these rooms 44 years, when 40 years when it started, I guess I got rid of some of those. I haven't done too many absurd things right now. I think I'm good. And when I'm not sure, I pause and pray, and I call somebody and check it out with them. I, I don't act very, you know, very much on my own these days. I like to keep it a little focused. And um, the last step here says, that's step 11, you know. I, uh, oh, I, I, have, I have by my bed. Um, I have, my friend bought me a, a little sign. She found it, I guess, at Home Goods. It says, be scared and do it anyway. And that's my mantra. Um, be scared and do it anyway. And I loved it. It's exactly what I needed because, you know, I do things that I'm sometimes scared of. I had to call a man who I didn't think liked me in business, you know. And um, when I did the 11th step on it, my sponsor said, well, if you don't get the answer you want, it's not you. You'll, it's what God wanted. He didn't want you to get it there. So you'll be okay. And I was okay. But, and he did see me. And it didn't matter that I didn't get it because living in God's world, following God's path, allows me to be free and to live in the fourth dimension. Okay. So the 11th step is really, really special to me. And again, and this, it says here, this step is described on pages 85, paragraph 3, to 88, paragraph 3. The directions for taking step 11 are on page 86, 1 to 88. The results of taking step 11 are on page 88, lines 2 to 8. Now, this is a great sheet, everybody. It's called Big Book Stepping Index. It's got it all written out. It's great. <clears throat> so now, we come to step 12, which says, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, comma, we try to carry this message to alcoholics, comma, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. Now, it says in the big book that if I don't increase my spiritual life, I will go back to food. So I do a lot of 12-step work. I lead a lot of meetings. Um, I, I, I sponsor whoever will let me sponsor them. I, make, I try to make outreach calls. I have a God squad. I try to do whatever I can to stay connected, even if I don't feel like it. Because I know if I say to myself, oh, I'm not in the mood, I know that's a mental twist. I know that's my mental twist. And I know that's when I have to pray harder and do it anyway. You know, pray and do it anyway. And I'm practicing these principles in all my affairs means that I do what the steps tell me. 
I'm powerless over situations. I pause and pray. I step six, I ask God why this is not happening to me. I ask God to remove it. I, I, I talk to people. I do 10 steps. I run up and down the ladder here all day long unconsciously. When I say unconsciously, it's like I don't sit and say, okay, now I'm doing step four. I've learned how to put these steps and climb out of the deepest, darkest pitch you could ever be in. With these steps. So step 12 happens. Again, if you say to yourself, I can't do step 12, I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. Those are all negative things that God doesn't want us to have. Those things come and put them in your God box and make step three, step six. Give them to God at step six and say, God, please help me to sponsor. Please help me to help another human being. Let me just start with a doctor's opinion. Let me just read with someone. Let me share what I have. I always tell my sponsees that it's really important to give back to these rooms and share and lead meetings and talk and qualify because I believe the more you give out, there's more room coming in. And that's why I, I, I reached out to Leah today to let me please do it if she would have the, the, the let me do a special edition because I felt I had a lot to give out. I have like, I, have, I feel like to pour out of me and give to someone else because then there'll be more room for God to put things in. And um, I think that's how I really view it, you know, because my life was really unmanageable. You know, I know what the embarrassment is of buying a skirt and then three weeks later having to wear the skirt and it doesn't fit. Just three weeks and it's too tight. And I know what that feeling of too tight is. You know, you sit and it presses on your stomach and you can't move and you're, you're hurt and you're hurt and, and, and you want to just die and you want to just die in tears. When I was nine years old, I went to sleepaway, 10 years old, I went to sleepaway camp. And the sleepaway camp at the end of the summer, they have a banquet. And my mother sent up this yellow dress. It was a yellow dress. It had Swiss dots on it. It had an overlay. It had a little crinoline. And when I went to put the dress on, it didn't go past my chest. I couldn't get it to go to my waist. I gained so much weight, so much weight that summer at camp. It was the first time I was away from mommy. It was the first time that nobody said no to me. Nobody watched me. There were no diet police. The carbs flew. They all flew into me. I was so embarrassed that I ran back to the bunk and I refused to go to this banquet. They made me go out and they made me wear the dress the way I looked. I looked at the blueberry and Charlie and the chocolate factory. And not only that, but because I came late, every camper they announced that walking across the field to the dining room and they announced my name. And there I was walking across this dining room with somebody and I wanted to crawl into a hole and die. I wanted to crawl into a hole and die a bazillion times in my life because of this eating disorder. My whole life, I liked boys. And when I liked the boys, I always heard, you're such a great girl, but, but, but you've got to lose some weight. You're such a great girl, but, but I'm not attracted to you. You're such a great girl, but. You're such a great girl, but. So that was really a hard thing in my life, and I don't think I've ever gotten over that. That's another thing. And the funny part is now that I'm a widow, people say, would you consider getting married again? And I say, I don't know. I mean, the thought of having a relationship today and, you know, doing all that, I don't know. But you see, I don't have to know because I give that right to God. I say, okay, God, if you want me in a relationship, that'll happen. I don't look for it. I don't 
think about it now. I don't let it run in my head. I don't do that anymore. Nothing runs in my head. When I need to fall back to sleep, because I wake up sometimes in the middle of the night, I use my headspace tape. I do what they tell me to do. I do my count backwards. I don't let things run in my head anymore. I really have gotten out of the pit of self-destruction and that, that what is it, pit, pit of morass or whatever, you know, Bill was in, you know. And I did it by living and doing these 12 steps constantly, 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 constantly. Now, no matter where you are in the program is where you are. There's always hope to go further, but where you are is where you have to be. You know, I have a sponsee who she said to me, well, I hear everybody talking about these steps. How do I get there? I said, you can't get there until you get there. We've got to go through and you have to understand it. And that's really how I live my life a day at a time, through these steps and through the people and through the big book. You know, I used to get up every morning and listen to Vision for You because my life was different. Now since Corona, I sit and watch TV till 2 in the morning. And then I get up at 9 or 10 in the morning. And what a delight that is. I feel like a whole person. Nobody's pushing me. Nobody's rushing me. Nobody's making me do anything. I get up. I do my prayer and meditation. I do my breakfast. I start working at 11. I work from 11 to whenever I'm done. I have my things that I do. I have my little eBay business. My husband left me a Home Depot. He left me a whole world. My husband was in the construction business, electrician, 40 years. And I sell, I sell this stuff on eBay. Vintage tools is a whole world. Everyone loves this tools. I heard I had the best. It was a gift from God to me because... A, it gives me what I need to do. B, it allows me to make some extra money that I need. C, C, this is the greatest part of all. I've always loved gift wrapping. I love wrapping presents. I always said I wanted to, if I could, I'd go work in Macy's. And now I get to send out my eBay packages. I have purple bubble wrap. I have a nice little sticker. No matter what I send up, it gets wrapped up. And where did this come from? Only one place. It comes from God. Every time the phone goes ka-ching and I make a little sale, I say, thank you, God. Every time something good happens in my life, I say, thank you, God. Every time there's a challenge in my life, I say, thank you, God. When the thing falls on the floor and I've got to bend to pick it up, thank you, God. I've got to pick up from the puppy, it's thank you, God. Because I've come to understand through Joe and Charlie, through these meetings, through, through living, and through relapse, you see, my relapse was so severe for so many, so many, so many years. The last one was 13 years of every day it's day one. Okay, this is going to be it, God. This is it. I was exhausted from all the day ones that finally that I've got this peace that I've climbed out with these steps. I, 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 I don't want to say I'm not giving it up, but I'm praying to God that he will hold me and guide me and allow me to always see the clarity that he puts in my life so that I can go forward, help someone else, and allow myself to grow in the way he wants me to grow in these 12 steps so that I can be of service to him, to you, and my fellows. And I think with that, I'm done. Okay, Leia M, are you there? Thank you. I sure am. Thank you so much, <laughs> Leia. I so much to get I feel great. Outstanding presentation. Thank you for sharing your personal experience, personal insights, experience, strength, and hope with all of us. Wowza. Thank you very much for taking us through your journey of the 12 steps and the transformation that was made possible as a result of your work, your spiritual work. Share ID for this presentation, 
1-4-8-4-5. That's 1-4-8-4-5. Leah D's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so you'll stay tuned for that. We Leah, will... did you say 1-4-8-4-5? That's correct. 14,845. 1-4-8-4-5. We will now transition to question and answer segment. You can pose a question by pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your first name and your fir the first letter of your last name as well. Who has a question? Fran. I didn't catch uh, Rob that. Rob H. Rob H. Fran N. Fran M. Anyone else? Jan M. Jan M. Oh, sure, yes, yeah. I, my name is Patricia. Patricia. Yeah. Gotcha. Teresa M. Teresa M. Hi, Victoria L. And Victoria L. Okay. I have Rob H. France M. Pam M, Patricia, on the your initial of your last name, Teresa M, and Victoria L. A reminder to avoid outside issues, please. We're not going to discuss medications, et cetera, and the nope. need for those, please. Okay, let's get started with Rob H. Hi, I, I was missed. I, it's Jessica A. I'd like to add a question, too. And Jessica A. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Rob H., go ahead. Start one to unmute. Uh, thanks. This is Rob H., compulsive uh, reader. I just had a question. Um, what, uh, when you say you do steps one, two, three every day, is that writing or prayer or both, or is it something else? Um, thanks for your uh, share as well. Okay. So I have an app called AA Big Book. And in the app, we open it up, and it says morning prayer. And there's a morning prayer, and then it says step one. It says, God, creative, intelligent, universal mind, spirit of nature. I'm a real alcoholic, and I need your help today. And then you press the next button that says step two. God, I'm standing at the turning point right now. Give me your protection and care as I abandon myself to you and give up my old ways and my old ideas just for today. Amen. And then it says step three, and it's the third step prayer. God, I offer myself to you, yada, yada, yada. But before I do that, it says morning prayer. And what it did is it took page 86 and kind of put it into something. And it says, God, direct my thinking today so that I be divorced of self-pity, dishonesty, self-will, self-seeking, and fear. God, inspire my thinking, decisions, and intuitions. Help me to relax and take it easy. Free me from doubt and indecision. Guide me through this day and show me what my next step will be. God, give me what I need to take care of my problems. I ask all these things that I may be of maximum service to you and my fellow man in the name of the steps I pray amen. So every morning I do that, steps one, two, and three, and I say it. I don't necessarily always believe it in, in, in my soul. I just take the action because that's what I'm supposed to do. I hope that helped. Of course, and, and don't go in and eat a box of cupcakes after that. Just, you know. <laughs> Get your food in order, and that's what I do. Thanks, I Rob. Thanks for the question. France M., your turn. Good morning, everyone. My name is France N., as in Nancy, um, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater um, in, on the Gulf Coast of Alabama. 
Um, I want to thank both Leah for their service today and everyone every day for their service. I am so grateful for this program. Um, it, saved, it has saved my life. Um, I, am, uh, I started recovery at 65. I'm now 67, so it's been a long haul like many of you. What jumped out at me today was, um, I guess, the feeling of compassion, um, speaking about defects. I, um, I, I had, had had a, a lot of trouble with judging myself for my so-called defects. Um, I couldn't accept my humanness, and over the last several months, I've taken on new words like Bill W. has done for us through the big book, and it's helped me tremendously. Um, one of those is character traits. Character, Do you have a question? Um, Did you have a, do you have a question? No. 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 I'm just sharing. What, You're not allowed what, to. I'm, I'm sorry, but let will jump in a second. There's no sharing on this line. I'm just not being, I'm being the police boss lady. <laughs> Um, it's wonderful to hear you, friends. And, but, but it is true. This is a time for questions only. Please join us tomorrow, Monday through Friday, uh, is the opportunities for sharing. Thank you very much, France. Pam M., your turn, star one to unmute. Uh, blessed morning, everyone. Pam M. in upstate New York. Uh, thank you so much for your share. Um, so I was uh, listening about your brother and how you had been estranged from him for so long, and I have a similar situation, and it has gotten a little bit better, um, but I'm wondering how you deal with the sadness of it not being... Um, you know, what you want it to be or, um, you know, I guess that's really my question. I want it to be more heartfelt and it feels, my relationship feels very superficial with him and we, we act out, we kind of act out the roles, you know, fake it till you make it thing. So, but I do find myself really, you know, wallowing in, in the sadness of it not being more close. I used my stop button, and I wrote down on the paper while you were speaking, friend, it's what God wants it to be. My wants don't count anymore. Um, my wants are only given to God, and I got messages back through God through prayer and meditation what it's supposed to be. Um, you know, I have to be willing, again, to, for the power to carry that out. I first have to turn to God and see what God says, and then see what you know, God wants me to do and how I'm supposed to do it. I have another brother who I made an amends to him and his wife and never heard from. Mm. And I gave that to God too. Mm. I, I, can't, I can't have the luxury of sad. If sad comes in, I must make it a, a, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten immediately. I make steps. I can't linger in feelings like that. Those are not good for me. I hope that helps. Turn to your recovery, turn to your steps and your sponsor. And don't keep those feelings inside. It doesn't work. It only leads back to the food. Always. Always. Not maybe, not never, but always. That's where you end up back in the food. So I Thank hope that helps. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Pam, for your question. Patricia, star one to unmute. Oh, really, I thought I had a question, but I don't. Okay. Thank you.
Teresa M. Hi, good morning. Um, thank you for your service and sharing your message. Um, would you mind repeating, my, well, my question is, what were the four Gs that you had mentioned? And also, uh, could you repeat the name of that app that you also yep. mentioned? Yep, hold on a second. Okay, so the four Gs. Leah, we're not going to repeat the name of the app. Okay. Fine, the four Gs. You can text me later for the app. Four okay. Gs, God is good. God loves me. God knows what's best for me. And God is making everything happen. Now you would think, I say this so often I'd remember it. I do in my own way, but every, this is what I do. I have it written down so I can go to look at it and that's it. God is good. God loves me. God knows what's best for me. And then I know I'm safe. And then if I forget about it, I call my turnaround sponsor. I've got all kinds of sponsors. I've got fear turnaround sponsors. i got everything I need, you know. I'm self-seeking in this way. Just like I, I, I go and find the right people for the right thing. That's what I do. So those are the four Gs. I hope that helped. It does. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you, Teresa M. Victoria, your turn. Hi, good morning. Victoria, I'm a compulsive eater. Leah, thank you so much to your share. I really identified with many of the things that you shared about. Um, I've been a chronic relapser for eight years, and um, I finally have a little bit of time of abstinence, and the food is always calling to me. I've never really had peace around my food, and I wanted to ask you two questions. One, did you have a defining moment of what your final surrender was to let go of the food completely? And two, how, the other thing I struggle with is the discipline of the daily prayer and meditation. So step 11 is a step I fall down on a lot because um, I have so many responsibilities and work and stuff in my life. So how do you recommend people who have full schedules still make time for prayer and meditation? Thank you. My, my first reaction to that is you can't possibly be on step 11 because you haven't taken step one. You can't st stick on a step 11 without having step one. The defining moment. Um, I couldn't walk anymore. <clears throat> I, had, I, had, I had severe pain. And um, the day I finally made a call and said, help me, I was on the Internet looking for um, foldable scooters because I was going to get an $1,800 foldable scooter to put in my car because I couldn't walk from my car to the office. And I had this muscle thing and all kinds of stuff going on with that. And I wasn't walking. And I looked in a mirror one day. I was going to the physical therapist, and it wasn't even a real mirror. There was glass, like a window. And I, caught it. I used to catch images of my body. And when I was 22, I lost 80 pounds. So I've lost and gained 100 pounds twice in these rooms. So I was kind of, after my daughter was born, I lost 110 pounds. But then I put it back on again. So I knew what it was like to live in the real body. And I knew what it was like to take a look at that image. And, and the pain was so severe. The pain was so severe. I always felt I could take a zipper and zip out. You know, so the, the severity of the physical manifestation, the severity of the physical 
pain manifestation, the medical manifestation, the, 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 the fact that I couldn't do it anymore, just I, I couldn't eat anymore. Like they say in the big book that in the end it's eating to blot out. It was no more. And I'm also, you know, I'm a recovered bulimic. You know, I did that since I was 12. My mother taught me how to do that. So there was so much pain going on, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I just didn't want to come back to these rooms again. Like I just, I didn't think the answer was here. I just didn't because of all the years. How could it, it wasn't here. And then the doorbell rang, and a friend was there, and she said, why don't you call this morning meeting? And I did, and that was the first day. I think you have to just be willing to willing and act as if. I don't think you can wait. You just have to say, okay, God, this is it. And then when the negativity comes up or the fear, all that stuff is the garbage that we have to get rid of by climbing out with the steps. You know, it's, it's, you put the food down, it's like what it's, I think Harlan said, it's step zero. The food goes down, and then you work these steps like your hair's on fire. There is no, there is no change. Take your mind, give it to God. Tell God to hold on to everything. You know, step 11 can't happen until the, it, it, it happened in order. I mean, the, I didn't make these words. I'm parodying them. They happen in order. You take the steps in order. You can't be on the step that you're not there yet. You've got to be on step one and stay on step one. You've got to be on step two and stay on step two, and you have to do it. And then when you go through all the steps, you live in 10, 11, and 12, and then you throw three in and one in, and then you do it. Make a decision. It's over. And the other thing that I found is that a lot of times people eat, this is why I help people, a lot of times people eat food on a food plan, and it's really not food that they should be eating because it's really setting off the allergy of the body. I have a couple of sponsees that don't eat fruit in the morning because when they eat fruit in the morning, they get hungry. And then they get hungry and then they, it starts again, the cycle starts. So if you take the food, the fruit out of the morning and leave it later in the day, they're not hungry anymore. So there's a lot of things to consider, but don't stop asking. If person A doesn't give you the answer and the help you need, go to person B. Keep reaching out to people in these rooms. Find what you want. Say, how do I get what you have? Help me. Don't be afraid to ask for help. You will get help. And I hope that helps. Because that's what I did. Thank you very much. Victoria L. I just went, Leah. That's right. That's right. Jessica, thank you. Jessica A., your turn. Hi, this is Jessica. Can you hear me? There you are. Yeah. Yes, I believe Oh, so. hi. Hey, this is Jessica, compulsive overeater from North Carolina, originally from New York. Oh, my God, that was like the best chair ever. I'm a little out of breath because I walk while I do my phone meeting, so I only have to pay a babysitter for one hour. <laughs> um, so that's why I'm out of breath, but... Leah, my question is, I so relate to, like, you know, you get abstinent and then all of a sudden the feelings come up and you got to deal with with life, right? And um, you, you, your husband died and you had to deal with finances. I just got divorced and I don't get a penny from my, my kid's dad and I have two babies and I worry about money every single day and I know that if I don't deal with this, I'm going to go back to the food and I know there's a promise of freedom from financial insecurity, but I spend more time worrying about money than actually doing anything, Although if it wasn't this anxiety, it would be another anxiety. And I sometimes wonder, maybe I redo, what do you think about, maybe I redo the steps and, and focus on the character defects of general anxiety or something. 
I don't know. And and I'm grateful that I'm not talking about the food today because for many years I was just calling and talking about the food. Um, but how did you deal with that? Because I am seriously going to go back to the food if I don't deal with this this obsession over not making enough money to support my family, my daughters. Thanks, Jessica, for your question. Thank you. As you were speaking, I was speaking to God, and it's oh. step 11. So through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God. Dear God, you put me in this situation, and I believe it's the best for me. And I know that you, um, I, I know that you trust me to take care of this child, and I know that I can, I can do the right thing, but I'm not sure which way to turn. I'm not sure how to do this. What do I need to do? Do I need to sit down with somebody and make a plan first of how much money I need? Do I need to sit down and see what's really going on here and not be afraid? Do I need to ask someone for help? Do I not know how to be alone? What do I need to do and how do I do this so I can be still and quiet and not go back to my eating disorder, be a good mother, and be available to do what I have to do? Those are the kind of things I learned to do by asking other people how to do that. Those are the kind of prayers. This is what I did. This is my turnaround sponsor. That's the person who gave me the four Gs. This is what I do. If I let that live in my head, I was freaking out with money. I had to do certain things. I had to take actions only through working the steps with another human being, not alone, with another human being to talk about it and to figure out with prayer and meditation and another human being, you know, admitted to God, to ourselves, another human being, the exact nature of our situations. It's not always the wrongs. It's what's going on in my life here. What do you think? What do I do? And that's what I suggest. That's how I do it. And God has been very good. And I humbly thank him every day that my phone goes ka and things are, you know, whatever God wants me to do, you know. And sometimes when I speak, I get scared. Like, do I say too much, God? You know, like, this, please, God, no, this is not ego. Please humbly, you know, protect me and hold me and make sure that I'm on your road, not my road. I hope that helps. You can call if you want when you get my number. Thanks, Jessica, for your question. Who else has a question today for Leah D? Star one to unmute. I need your name. First letter of your last name as well. Hi, Dana P. Dana P. Rita. Pam S. Pam S. Rita S. Barney K. Sandy B. Sandy B. That's a And Bunny K. Bunny K. Yes, Bunny K. All right. I have Dana P. Rita, a Sandy B, Bunny K, and Debbie M. So let's start with Dana P, please. Good morning, Leah. And Leah, thank you so much for your share. 
Um, I'm a compulsive overeater, bulimic, anorexic. Um, just have a question. If you could um, clarify a little bit more, I really relate to um, what you shared about fears and working with the fears um, during the inventory. Could you just share a little bit more about that, please? Thank you. Well, I'm afraid of everything. I'm a, I have fear of flying. I have fear of letting my daughter go out alone. I'm a helicopter mommy. I have all these fears, you know. And I learned, I put them all on paper, and I never stop working with them. You know, it's not like a one and done. That's a lie. So all the fears go on paper, and then when they crop up again, I do exactly what the book tells. You know, they crop up again. I do a pen step. You know, when it crops up again, you turn to God immediately, then to another human being and do it. And then I do a fear inventory. I'll call up and say, I'm really, I need to do a 10-step on fear. I'm really freaking out. What's the matter? I don't know. My daughter's going. They're going. She wants to go to the Caribbean. She wants to take a trip. I'm afraid she's going. I'm afraid of this. What do I do? What do I do? And then we start with, you know, who's in charge. And, and we go through the whole litany of doing the turnaround. You know, I'm trying to control. I'm trying to do God's work, not God's job. You know, she has her own God. I'm not it. And I go through all the different phases of, of working through the fear coming out on the other side. Then I go through the four Gs. You know, God is good. You know, God takes care of me. You know, God's got this. And I have to trust. And it doesn't always disappear in a flash. Sometimes I have to sit with it through step 11 and pray and meditate on it. Okay, God, please take this from me. You know, step seven, this is not a good fear for me, for me to have, God. Please remove this fear from me. I want to be, I don't want to be restless during the this content, you know. And I have to trust. It's not easy. Simple but not easy. You know, that's what it says in the big book. Simple but not easy. But it needs to be done. And if I call person A and it doesn't leave, I call person B. And I say the same thing. I say, I just spoke to so-and-so. And I'm feeling fearful about this, and it's not leaving. Could we talk about it? And then maybe they'll have another perspective. And a big one that always helps me, and I thank Harlan G. for it, the first person who ever said to me, Leah, why do you have these feelings? And I said, I don't know. And he said, there's only one reason, because you're human. And that always helps. You know, I also do something called... It's, it's, it's golden key prayer. It's a way of prayer, praying that I repeat. You can Google it, golden key prayer, where you take a certain word in a mantra and you repeat it over and over again, and you pray away all these different things that upset you. I golden key prayer constantly. My head is always, you know, God is good, God is good, God is good, whatever my mantra is in my head. So it doesn't just disappear. I work at it through these 12 steps. I climb out with the 12 steps. I hope that helped. Thank you, Dana P. Rita S., star one to unmute. Hi, this is Rita S. from Florida. And thank you, Leah. Thank you. Thank you for that share. I don't normally, you know, ask a question, but it, I don't know if it's odd or God. But a week ago, a brother who I haven't spoke to in 10 years calls out of the blue and um it was really shocking, and I, I am going there today, and I'm scared to death. I don't know. I mean, I could tell you three hours of what he did to me and what she did to me and why she stays with him. I don't know. 
but I don't. I had a pot in it, obviously. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. What do I say when I walk in? I'm sorry, put my pot in it, and that's it. Or I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. Maybe I shouldn't even go. That's all. I I don't know. But you know, I know that um, something's going to happen because let me tell you, he made that call. I talked to my sponsor at three o'clock last Sunday. And she said, have you made amends? I said, yeah, except I'm never going to talk to my brother again unless there's a freaking miracle. Five o'clock, the phone rang. And he said, hello. Who's, I said, he said, it's your brother. And he said, uh, the brother you don't want or the brother you don't like, the brother you don't deserve. And you find any way to forgive me. And I said, you've been forgiven. And, you know, we talked a little and that was it. And then he says, can you come over for coffee and bring your husband for Father's Day? So I asked my husband if he'd go because he's not a fan. He said, fine. My husband's not an addict in any way. He's a wonderful person. I'm blessed. So I don't know what I should do when I walk in. It's all. I don't, any suggestions or not go, maybe? Thank no, you. No, you're going to go and you're going to go with God. You know, as you were speaking, the first thing I said was you need to thank God for the miracle he created. Um, God created the miracle. You put it out there. You worked with a sponsor. You ask God for a miracle, God gave you a miracle, and you just have to keep with God humble. Let God hold your hand. Go in and hold your hand. And just instinctively, you're just going to know what to say. You're going to say, so good to see you. Just trust God. Trust God. Just give God the fear. I'm afraid, God. I'm not sure what to do. You gave me this miracle. I'm going to put one step in front of the other, and I'm going to go with God. Um, if it helps, hold a little rock. A little smooth rock used to help me. I would do that a lot. If I held the rock, I could keep, stay grounded. I knew the rock represented my higher power. I had all these little tools I would do to keep myself on the, on the right road. Just go with God. That's the best thing you can do in trust. And be quiet. Slow and quiet and wait for the message. The message always comes. Enjoy your brother today. Thanks, Rita S., for the question. Sam S., your turn. Thank you. Good morning, Leah. Thank you both for your service. Um, the question that I have today is, you had mentioned uh, when you're noticing a defect that comes up or a fear and you're working step six through nine, you'll pray and then you'll call a person and then if you don't have relief, you'll call another person. I'm just wondering, how long do you wait after you initially pray, do you call someone? And then how long after that do you call someone? Sometimes I can get into the um, polling the audience. So I'm just wondering your process about that. Thanks. I, I, I take the action as quickly as I can. I can't stand sitting with the negative crap. I don't like sitting with the pain. I don't like sitting with the negativity. I don't like sitting with that midginess that makes me not okay. I, I make the calls as quickly as I can, as fast as I can to as many people as I can to work through what it is. Because I don't always see it. It's not always clear. But I don't like to sit in the bedevilment. I don't like to sit in restless, irritable, discontent. I like to be in happy, joyous, and free. You know, I don't like sitting in fear. I don't like sitting in worry. So I, I, I do whatever it takes, you know. This is a selfish program. I don't like to sit in the negativity. So I don't. I don't wait very long. You know, if I pause and pray and it leaves and I can see it clearly, it's gone, okay. But if I feel like it's not, I get on that phone and I just do what I got to do. I'll send texts. I, 
I, I take all the action. I don't want to go back. I, I never dreamed. I'm 68 and a half years old. I never knew that I can live a life without food obsession. There are times that I look around and I go, where did that go? What happened to that? Where did that go? That's what I like. Where did it go? Hey, please, God. Thank you, God. It's gone. Where did it go? Whoever thought I could leave. I didn't understand. I just didn't understand until now. I hope that helped. Take the action. Thanks, Sam S. Sandy B. Star one to unmute. Hi, this is Sandy B. Virginia. Uh, thank you both uh, for doing service. My question is, Leah, you mentioned being in the fourth dimension, feeling you're in the fourth dimension. Would you say more about that feeling? Thank you. Okay. Bill talks about it in Bill's story, I believe, when he says he was rocketed into a fourth dimension. When I came in four years ago and I started working this program for real, for real, it was about three weeks in, and I really, you know, when Bill Dr. Silkworth and said, I think I'm losing my mind, and he said, it's okay, it's better than anything you were, I thought I was losing my mind too. Living in the fourth dimension for me is living obsession-free. Living without the desire to ever go back to food again, without the desire to shove down anything with the food. I haven't had a food thought in four and a half years. That doesn't mean that if I sit down to a good meal and the food is delicious, I want more. Everyone wants more. Good tasting food is good tasting food. God gave us taste buds to use. That's normal. Everybody likes good tasting food. I'm talking about that insane, insidious need to have to eat that grabs you in your throat, that obsession for food. That, to me, is living in a fourth dimension. That's living as somebody who's obsession-free, addiction-free. It's being recovered and being able to look back on what was, accept it, and not have to take it along with me. That, to me, is living in the fourth dimension. This is a new woman that lives before me, lives with me today. I like this way. I feel much more calmer. I'm quieter. I'm, I'm more humble. I don't have to know everything. I don't need to be right. But the best part is living without that monkey on my back, you know, that, that constant urge or the planning or the deception or the what ifs and, you know, having to cook food that tastes like other food. And it, it was just too much. It was just too much. I, I, you don't understand it until you do it. You know, keep going to meetings. Keep listening to Joe and Charlie. They explain it the best. It's living in, a, in that dimension that, you, that, 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 quote, normal people live in. You know, it's a good place. It's a good place, the fourth dimension. I hope that helped. Thanks, Sandy B. Next we have Bunny K. Star one to unmute. <clears throat> Good morning, um, Leah, both Leahs. Thank you so much. Um, Leah, my question is, I have been doing a Step 11s every night, and I find it really hard finding my fault, my part. Not my part, but um, what got me there? I, you mentioned that you had a, an 11-step sponsor that showed you how. Do you 
uh, I wanted to know if you could explain it or I could call you later about that because I have a hard time really figuring it out because my intention in my head is good, but it might not come out that way. So with that, I'll let you answer. So the nighttime step 11, I used to, I, I, I have, again, I have an app, not important, and I also printed out Joe and Charlie's Step 11. They have a list of uh, negative traits and a list of positive traits. And what Joe and Charlie say is you go through this and every night you try to make a little check. You know, if I was selfish, I need to be giving. If I was gluttonous, I need to be something else. And I, I used to say to my sponsor, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't, I can't find any resentment at the end of the day. Sorry, fear. And she would say to me, well, maybe you don't have any. You know, you don't have to. If you had a good day and you did all kinds of 10 steps during the day and you resolved your day, it's a good day and you thank God. You know, you take inventory, you think and you look and you say, okay, what was going on today? Oh, I was a little more fearful. Okay, fearful, move over. Okay, God, I need to be more trusting that you're with me. I, know, I used to think that if I didn't have resentment at the end of the day and wrote up a whole thing, that I was no good. You know, I wasn't doing it right. And that's a lie. That's a lie. You know, as long as I'm spiritually fit and taking care of the things I have to take care of, and I take the action to at least look at it and see where I am every day, then I'm okay. And then I wake up in the morning, and I, upon awakening, I think about the 24 hours ahead, I pour it and pray. Step 11 is three parts. You know, find somebody to go through it and see if you're, if you're being honest with yourself. If you're being honest and you dealt with all your resentments or your fears or what was going on, or your selfish stuff, and maybe at night all the ways is a gratitude list to God. You know, there's no rule that says you have to have resentment you didn't work out. You know, it's just a vehicle to allow you not to go to sleep with them if they're there. I hope that helped. Thank you, Bunny Kay. Our final question for the morning comes from Debbie M. Debbie Star One to unmute. Debbie M. Oh, hi. This is Debbie M. Sorry I was unmuting and didn't hear mm-hmm. you call my name. Um, so thank you so much, Leah. You are a gift to God and to our program. And I wanted to ask you, you said you're a chronic relapser, and so you know where I am. <clears throat> I am a chronic relapser also, and I have been in relapse for about a year and a half. I am miserable and feel like I'm ready to go to that next step. So my question is, what do you think is different um, this time? And do you think that it was more a matter of getting entirely abstinent? Do you think you had rested on your spiritual laurels? Um, what, yeah, that's basically it. Okay, the reason I'm recovered now, the reason I'm recovered now and the reason what's different now is that I finally followed directions from someone who recovered by reading this big book. I shut my mouth and I followed directions completely. All those years, I never followed directions completely. I didn't have a sponsor to take me through the big book, to hold my hand, to read line by line with me, to explain what's going on. She would read to me and I would say, how do you know that? Where did you get that from? How do you know that? How do you know that? How do you know that? And I realized 
that all these years I used the, I used the program like a Chinese menu, one from column A, one from column B. And what was different this time was I listened and I learned and I wanted to recover. And if I want to recover, I must climb out using the 12 steps and using the big book line by line, word by word. When I don't understand a word in the big book, I define it. I look up words. I look up helpless. I look up recovered. I look up all the different words that I think I know what they mean because I don't know what they mean. And I ask questions. Find a guide. Hold their hand. Put the food down and don't eat no matter what. Just keep going with the big book. It's all in the big book. It's an outline. It's there. I did, anything I said today didn't come out of my mouth. It came out of the big book. I didn't make this up. I'm not some wizard who invented this. I just finally shut my mouth, opened my ears, and followed this, these instructions step by step and kept doing it no matter what. That's how it works. I hope that helped. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you. Thanks for the question. Thanks to all who posed questions this morning. Of course, thank you so much, Leah D., for giving so much of yourself this morning and sharing your transformation with us and personal insights and experience. Very inspiring presentation. Thank you very much. Share ID for today, 14,845. That's 14845. We're going to close now, page 164, a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. Answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.